0: garbage film the podcast where we link trashy movies and arty film we're here to say that they're not too different you can have fun watching both as always we're here to prove it with this week's arty film that will pair with something relatively trashy i am one of your hosts my name is nick and with me as always is my co-host and partner aaron hello aaron hi nick how you doing good how are you oh yeah i'm good good yeah
1: Oh yeah. oh yeah, oh for sure, real good.
0: Uh, and this is our first episode in uh, loosely Noirvember-y kind of feeling that we're going with.
1: Mm-hmm. We don't have an official Noirvember slate per se, but yeah, we just, feel it's a good time of year for it.
0: Yeah, just things are kind of just trending that way as they do in November.
1: Trending downwards <laughs> <Yep>. overall.
0: <laughs> Will to live,
1: amount of light per day.
0: Moral ambiguity in the totally. streets. Yeah. You know.
1: <laughs> moral certainty in the sheets
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh so of course this week we're <laughs> uh, actually yeah
1: that's pretty good <laughs> actually yeah that Sigma. is
0: pretty good okay yeah i'll stick with it Thanks thank you me. so much yeah. uh this week's movie is deep cover from 1992 hell yeah it is yeah uh this is directed by bill duke written by uh names that i recognize but i couldn't I didn't research too far in, but Michael Tolkien and Henry Bean, I know one of them won an Oscar for something. Uh, This is starring Lawrence Fishburne, who everybody refers to as Fish, which I think is cute, uh, as Russell Stevens Jr., Jeff Goldblum as David Jason, Charles Martin Smith as Gerald Carver, Victoria Dillard as Betty McCutcheon, Clarence Williams III as Officer Taft, and uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Sidney Lassick for uh, his part as Gopher. It's just a delight
1: it's, so, it's very good it's a treat
0: yeah so this movie uh, I we just discovered this year thanks to yeah. it coming out in a nice home video release um physical media i was surprised to learn that like oh this is a relatively rarely watched movie which is yeah yeah. it
1: seems like it checks all the boxes for it should be an absolute i mean it is an absolute banger but it should be like something that people love to watch
0: yeah and like cutting miles ahead through the plot um Lawrence Fishburne is like very on record as saying like oh yeah Brian De Palma just ripped off this movie 100% for Carlito's Way it's the exact plot exact beats it's just done Brian De Palma and he's like Bill Duke I've watched a bunch of interviews Bill Duke just being like shut up shut up dude don't and he's just like no they ripped you off Larry
1: (laughs) so people need to know yeah
0: so uh, I would very strongly recommend, if you're into noir or neo noiry things in the slightest, mm-hmm. this is absolutely worth checking out. A lot of noirs can feel terrifically of their time, even if they're like from the 80s or 90s. But this feels much more, much less uh, rooted, like there's a lot of political machinations and stuff. get But it feels much more like, timeless feels like a...
1: Maybe a stretch, but like... Yeah. Yeah, it just—it's not like the original noirs. You don't have to be well versed in what would have been shocking at the time yeah. to understand the scale and the the impact of the plot and, yeah. and what happens. This is very—I hate the word approachable or like accessible <laughs> yeah. because it just—it's such a weird focus groupy word that I yeah. hate from from our decades in classical music. I never oh, want to hear the word accessible God. again. Um, but it is successful yes. it's it's just such a fucking easy watch yeah. and i don't mean like yeah it's it's just you could put it on and just like i am enjoying the fuck out of this for yeah. like two hours or whatever it
0: really sucks you in with like it's stylized but not overly stylized in a way that like everything just looks cool like it looks
1: cool as hell the soundtrack is amazing yeah,
0: dr Dre in there Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Some early Snoop, I think.
0: It's uh, the track deep cover is Snoop's first.
1: Yeah, first like single. <laughs>
0: yeah, like literally something. the thing that like premiered him to the world is this right. movie. So yeah, there you
1: go. Anyway, it's cool as hell. Yeah. The plot is extremely like you don't you don't need to pay close attention to the plot. You just you just yeah. need to watch the movie to have a great time watching the movie. Yeah. That's literally that's
0: it. Great. Love it. Uh, so I went on a little bit. Yeah, more sorry. than usual there just because uh i want people to watch this movie we
1: love it please yeah. go find it it's it's super worth having yeah it's great uh
0: so with all that in mind let me tell you exactly what happens in it
1: please do <laughs> <laughs> sit back and let me do the work
0: so we open on uh christmas 1972 russell Stevens jr is a little boy he's the son of a drug-addicted alcoholic man who uh we have a little conversation with them where he just does cocaine in front of him and I think he takes a swig of something and he just turns and says like never never be like me this is awful never 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 do this he
1: just turns over he's like don't be like this don't do this to yourself
0: like the epitome of do as I say not what I do (laughs) and then he just pivots to like what do you want for Christmas and just very bizarre language and He's asking because he's going to hold up a liquor store. Yeah, they're uh, parked
1: outside a strip mall or whatever. <laughs>
0: double parked outside to do a robbery. Yeah. Uh, and he runs in, holds up the liquor store, and as he's coming out, he gets shot down in the streets. And uh, this is all to voiceover by Lawrence Fishburne, so you just get to hear his wonderful voice the whole movie. And uh, the boy, Stevens, and the adult voiceover swear that he will never, ever end up like his father.
1: Yeah. he like is sitting in the front seat of this car watching his dad like bleed out on the sidewalk
0: yeah, pretty much ex- watching the life go out of his eyes yeah
1: it is. Very dark, and yeah. I'm a big sucker for anything that treats Christmas as a really dark mm. time of year. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, so Deep is Cover is a Christmas movie, <laughs> Canonically, yes.
0: <laughs> I think this is the only scene that takes place. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so cut forward to 1991. Stevens is now a police officer, and he is recruited by DEA Special Agent Gerald Carver to go undercover in Los Angeles. Carver claims that um, Stevens' criminal-like character traits will be a benefit undercover than they would be to uh, actually doing police work Right, so, there's
1: there's a niche there and it should be that he has to be sneaky and yeah. he has to be underhanded and lie to people
0: He's like, hey, you'd be good at that, right?
1: Why is that, I Carver? love that trait Why that, you do you know? think that is, that the, I'm sneaky?
0: The rundown that he gives is uh, Carver says, quote, he resents authority, has a rigid moral code with no underlying value system, and an insufficiently developed self- sense of self so. Right. And you think he says this to his face if I remember right?
1: Oh yeah, like he's reading from hit, from <laughs> Stevens Jr.'s file. Uh, like, oh, so it says here that you have a poorly formed sense of self, that you have no respect for authority. Yeah. Charles Martin
0: Smith, too, like 80s actor to the extreme. Like I don't think I've seen him in a single movie that out of the 80s. This is the only one. Yeah. And boy is he got a punchable face.
1: He has a little fucking rat fink face.
0: Like, I love you, Charles Martin Smith, but goddamn... Oh,
1: yeah, like, he's he's an amazing character actor for (laughs) this, but, like, he's hard to watch. Yeah. Um,
0: But you also love to watch him. But anyway, uh, Stevens goes on to pose as a drug dealer named John Hull in order to infiltrate and work his way up the network of the West Coast's largest drug importer. Uh, Here's where we get into some squiffy uh pronunciation on my part anton gallegos i think it was yeah. and his uncle hector guzman who's a south american politician so really got yes. a side hustle there got yeah to with so this drugs. is
1: real p- peak like you War know coming out of yeah narcos territory of like <laughs> yes the cia now is just the biggest importer of of cocaine into the country but
0: Absolutely. Yes. They this are. is
1: the only like political "quote unquote" thing you have to pay attention to in the movie. Is it's just like we're trying to get access to mm. through this network to a high level um, South American politician. Yeah, but who controls a lot of the drug trade?
0: I feel like it's played enough in broad strokes that like I know not a ton about war on drugs other than it' bad. So yeah, you, you won't. A person will not be lost watching this. I do not believe. But, uh, Stevens relocates himself to a cheap hotel in Los Angeles, and, uh, just starts stealing cocaine, because, uh, you know, Yeah. here we go. One day, Stevens is arrested by the, uh, devoutly religious LAPD narcotics detective Taft, and his, uh, corrupt partner Hernandez, so that's a good working relationship.
1: Oh, yeah, I yeah. forgot about Hernandez, Hernandez yeah. is, like,
0: a real, like, C-plot to this whole thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is as he's buying, uh, as Stevens is buying a kilogram of cocaine in a setup by Gallegos' low level street supplier Eddie Dudley, yeah. who's a real Real Flake.
1: Yeah. And <laughs> he's a bit of a bit of a space case. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, at Steven's arraignment, uh, he discovers that he bought baby laxative instead of cocaine, and the case is dismissed, so this is just a real like It's almost like a hazing for drug dealers it It feels like it is
1: it is eddie like set this up to sell him baby laxatives so that he could be caught by the cops yeah and see if he would crack under questioning because he doesn't know it's baby laxative but he does not crack he does not so he's proved his worth Mm. to eddie and therefore gallegos etc and
0: eddie does it uh of his own volition too there isn't a lot of like oh
1: that's true yeah so this
0: is eddie being enterprising which uh Low-level thugs never be enterprising.
1: It doesn't work out well. No,
0: <laughs> but during that court case, Stevens' self-appointed attorney, David Jason—this is uh, Jeff Goldblum stepping in—he, who is uh, also a drug trafficker in Gallegos' network, uh, rewards Stevens in silence with more cocaine uh, <laughs> and introduces Stevens to Felix Barbosa who's the one level below Gallego, so Steven sure. is, like, getting up there. And, like I mentioned, Eddie's enterprising not going well. Felix kills Eddie when he finds out he kind of has been doing this on his own, not, like, working with the LAPD, but kind of. Like, he kind of has a like, relationship with he Hernandez. He tips them off. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, he's he's stepping out and, like, exposing the network more than he yeah. has to. So
0: Stevens just slips right into Eddie's place. Yep. Just... It's a, what's it called? There's a lot of vertical mobility to the drug train. <laughs> Upwards mobility. Upwards mobility. Yeah, yeah, I mean. yeah, sure. Yep.
1: A lot of room for expansion. <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, interpersonally, Stevens develops a romance with Betty McCutcheon, who's the manager of an art dealership, which is a front to launder money for uh, David Jason. Classic yes. art dealership mob yes, stuff.
1: As you do, yeah. Yep. It's this like, great, very high-profile, like fancy art gallery of like West African art. Yep. And Betty is the the
0: curator. money yeah, uh, yeah i guess
1: so yeah she like has a degree in art history and everything like she's <laughs> she's a professional and she just happens to
0: their meat cute scene of uh fishburden in his little mask
1: yeah he like <laughs> picks up at like david uh david jason and betty are talking i keep saying it sounds like three people yeah david david jason. and betty <laughs> are talking and yeah, so Stevens is wandering around like touch and stuff, and you can see her like eyeballing him. Like, don't put that down. <laughs> stop, stop it. Stop it. it. Do you and know how he expensive that is. Yeah, he picks up a mask and just puts it on and comes and sits down. He's just staring at her through this like flying <laughs> mask. It's very cool.
0: We cut forward to Stevens' uh, dealers. They're having like street trouble. One of Stevens' dealers is murdered by a rival dealer, and uh, Jason tells Stevens that uh, if he doesn't retaliate the other street dealers will view it as a sign of weakness and will, in turn, murder him. Yeah,
1: sense a weakness and move
0: in. Yeah, so here we're getting into, like, Steven has been okay with the undercover beat so far doing this shit, because it feels like you can, he's got that, like, light at the end of the tunnel, like, oh, I'm already meeting Barbosa. I'm getting up there.
1: He's achieving things right away, and he's not seeing any of the real consequences of, like, dealing drugs yet. And
0: he's also not seeing, like, he's feeding the information up, and he's not seeing anything happen yet. It's still early enough. He's naive.
1: Totally. He knows he has to build a case, and
0: So this is the moment that, uh, a bit of a crucible, Uh, Mm. Stevens follows the rival dealer to a nightclub, quarters him in a bathroom, and really unhappily kills him. Like, he's not enjoying himself in any capacity. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Fishburne is just a fucking Uh force in this movie. Like, you can see see that it's physically hard for him to, like, move toward this guy to murder him. Yeah. And Just we'll, sweating and unhappy. And sweating
0: it. and crying. He cries a lot in this movie, yeah. too, while he's doing awful things. Mm-hmm. Like, this feels like a lot of the scenes that could be in Breaking Bad are in this movie. Yeah. In that way. Yeah, that's so yeah. true. Uh, so, Rival Dealer's dead. Jason is impressed. He partners up with Stevens in a new business deal, the distribution of a synthetic chemical variant of cocaine. Mm-hmm which we're getting into designer drugs yeah
1: ever never been clear on the term designer drugs does it just mean grown in a lab
0: i think yeah i think it's literally like they designed them as opposed to like cocaine it, is yeah opium or whatever yeah. yeah okay it is then revealed that uh felix barbosa is a confidential informant working with detective hernandez specifically so here we get our corrupt cop with the devout religious cop coming in yep, yep. after a falling out between barbosa and jason uh Stevens correctly deduces that Barbosa wants to kill Jason mm-hmm. uh, due to the business venture of these designer drugs so uh, Barbosa immediately gives up Stevens, Jason and Betty to Hernandez and the idea is they're going to do this, like, sting kind of arrest thing. And her uh, Barbosa is saying to Hernandez, under his her breath, like, yeah, but I mean, they're going to try to escape. So just shoot him in the back. It'll be faster. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's a very LAPD, like, oh, no, a single thing happened. So we shot everyone in yeah. the back. Oops. Well, they were drag dealers, so it doesn't matter.
0: Yes. Yep. Uh, but... Naturally, Stevens is a cop and understands what's happening. Yes. In the LAPD, he knows what... Uh, <laughs> he
1: knows what the LAPD is going to try and pull. Yes.
0: <laughs> and Carver also knows all about this, too, so uh, he refuses to interfere. Stevens is kind of left in this position where he yeah, other interferes or his people die. That's right. Yeah. This
1: is this weird, like, Carver is the one who, who like you know, recruited him in the first place yeah. for this undercover work, and then he gets very high and mighty about, like, well, it's not my fault. Like, what what should I do? What can I be expected to do when, yeah. you know, faced with these problems? Like, these people made their choices, but all of a sudden, very hands Yeah,
0: and this is, like, the first time Stevens is hitting this block, too. So this yes. is a real, I just killed a guy. Come on, help yeah, me. Yeah,
1: I need support. And he's like, well, that's your fault. Like, he just has a really amazing speech in that moment, yeah, too. Yeah,
0: he does. Yeah. yeah. Um so naturally, Stevens violates the orders not to interfere and he interferes. Yep. Uh which results in a vengeful Jason killing Barbosa. And uh Betty rightfully renegs on the whole drug business because this is the first time she's seeing any of the violence up close.
1: Yes, right. They uh, just come to her with money, usually, yeah. and now she's fleeing the scene.
0: Which is an insane card chase. like oh, everybody's it's screaming Wild, and, yeah. Like I don't know if they actually gave Goldblum cocaine or this is <laughs> just very good acting. <laughs>
1: Can it be both? Yeah, it can I, be both. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is high on murder.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a great movie for if you want to see Goldbloom, like really do a full arc from being a totally un goldbloom like performance to yes. an insanely Goldbloom performance. The or
1: gold bloom, <laughs> yeah.
0: yes. This, you could just watch it develop out. over over the runtime of this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after that car chase, Barbosa's dead. Uh, Gallegos uh, comes on the scene to meet with Jason and Stevens to inform them that they have inherited Felix Barbosa's debts. Uh, and I should have written down the exact amount, but it's several hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh,
1: it's part. like a like a hilarious yeah. number. Like it's this is a we're going to kill you. Yeah, number. you have
0: 24 hours to raise 500 million dollars or yeah, something like, like that. It's yeah.
1: Clearly not.
0: Yet. Yeah. You're gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: Just just heads up, you'll be
0: dead soon. Uh, So later that day, Stevens meets with Carver to tell him about his meeting with Gallegos, and here's where you get the real good political shit. Uh, Carver pulls a gun on Stevens and orders him to surrender his weapon, get in the car, because he's being taken off assignment, because uh, we like the South American president now. He literally says, no, we like him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Carver's very, like what are you going to do about it? Fuck you. Yeah. Like, I know this is ridiculous. I'm having fun.
0: Just play along and you get to ride my coattails to Washington. Exactly. This kind of happens. Yeah. You'd like, hey, to... you,
1: you put in your time. Shush, shush, shush. <laughs> you can just have a nice life from here on out. But yeah. no, Betty, you
0: know. So uh, Stevens disarms Carver and forces him to admit that the State Department has just decided to leave Gallegos alone for uh, Guzman and political reasons. Yeah. That's where we but, like them now. Yeah. Not from. Rock the Boat. Yeah. Yep. And here we get like the insane, real good, intense Fishburne speech. He's got so many great speeches in this. This is maybe my favorite of them.
1: They all do. There's all, like, oh, this movie's so good. Everyone in it is just, like, a fucking powerhouse.
0: And, like, coming in right at the time just before they make it so big.
1: Yes. Yeah. Or
0: they're actors that are, like, on their way out, sadly. Like, Charles Martin Smith doesn't work in a lot of higher movies yeah. after this. But he's, like, yeah. he is an actor. He knows how to oh, bring it. he is so good. And Fishburne's not famous yet, so he's really trying his, like, he's acting his ass off in this. Oh, it is uh, astounding to watch. Goldblum's just about to do Jurassic Park, yeah. so... Yeah, yeah. he
1: had been in a lot of like art house type things. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Like,
0: he'd done The Fly and Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and that's I mean, like. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Because he'd, he'd done, but he's always like fifth or sixth build. He's like Yes,
1: yeah. Him. He's like a guy at a party in any hall or whatever. Yeah, yeah.
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, so, this is where Stevens meets uh, disillusionment head on. Uh, he abandons his undercover status, vowing to take down Gallegos and Guzman alone. Uh, and at this point, betrayed and alone, Steven starts to use his own supply, so he starts delving into yes. drugs for the first time.
1: And he had been very, he had demonstrably avoided drugs and alcohol yeah. before this, like whenever anyone would offer him something, it would be just like, oh no, you know, on the job, better, better stay sharp.
0: But it's the same as his, he's got all this anger that he's pushing down the yeah. whole time through, this is that same idea to me of like, he's pushing down the anger, he's pushing down the, the, the urge to use and yeah. all of that and this is just part of that like okay i'm furious and i'm just gonna get super high
1: oh well, clearly the rules don't matter so who exactly. the fuck
0: cares yeah in his big rant he 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 talks about how like the very obvious thing that always happens in undercover people like i could be a king in the underworld yeah or i could be making my like twenty-five thousand dollar a year yeah. salary <laughs> with
1: <laughs> and maybe getting to shoot somebody twice a year <laughs> yeah no, mm. exactly. The
0: perks of LHBD.
1: <laughs> it is kind of funny too because all of the things that uh, Carver says to him at the beginning like mm. you you are very well suited for this <laughs> like and he is. Oh, yeah, he's That's great the thing. It. He's not wrong. Yeah, Stevens is amazing at this work. Yeah, and he hates that he's amazing at it. Yes, yeah. he's just like his dad in this way of like, that's that's what powers him is how fucked up he is, and, and it's it's really taking him places yeah. in this underworld, but he doesn't want to be that guy. Like
0: the uh, in interviews with Fishburne, people ask him like, oh, what what motivated your character? And people are like, "The is it like duty or, you know, the fear of betrayal, all that? He's like, no, it's just self-hate. Uh,
1: Self-loathing, yeah, Like
0: That's the only thing this character is about, is just furiously hating himself.
1: I do like this movie for that it's not like, oh no, was I the bad guy all along? He knows he's the bad guy, and he's trying to keep himself out of situations where he can fall back on that. Yeah, And nothing is set up for him to to stay away from it.
0: Yeah. This might be my favorite movie of his. We really like this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... So Stevens and Jason learn that Gallegos is going to kill them anyway because they raise the money, they bring it to him, and they're like, Hey, we, we, we almost did it. We're only, like, two million short or something. And he's like, Nah, I'll give you an extension, but you have to bring me, like, triple the money or yeah, something bonkers. so silly. So they just casually steal a van storing over $100 million of Gallegos' cash. Uh, And they cordially invite Guzman to a shipyard and offer to return 80% of Gallegos' money if he agrees to invest the remaining 20% in their synthetic cocaine operation. This is just such an amazing...
1: Oh, just such a Hail Mary. Just (laughs) like, you know what? I have a proposition for you now.
0: (laughs) The turns, they're tabled. (laughs) Tabled
1: in those turns.
0: (laughs) Uh, and this is where we get the amazing look. <laughs> Goblin's outfit in the shipyard scene. Yeah. Just, like, all black, long leather coat, eyeliner, slicked back hair. He's got eyeliner on, yeah. yeah,
1: I'm not sure, like... He's just been, like, a
0: suburban lawyer until this yeah.
1: moment. He fucking goes for it. Yeah, yeah they're in the shipyard and everything's, like, you know, they're at the docks making the trade or whatever. You know. He's got this, like, fucking look going on.
0: And here's where he gives a great speech about, um about how uh, i can't remember the prompt is to get into it but he talks about like oh there's no there's no such thing as like american or japanese or black or anything there's now just rich people and poor people we're rich people so we can get along yes which <laughs> yeah. is like
1: we're uh, on the same team here yeah gross is, yeah <laughs> he's right but
0: <laughs> you get the jet red van just to drive home like it's it's a devil thing
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is bad <laughs>
0: uh but then on the scene comes detective taft the uh the religious authority, yeah. uh, who has been uh, tailing Stevens throughout and has been trying to act like a father figure, kind of, to him.
1: He kind of sees what's happening. He sees Stevens suddenly, like, he's stumbling around mm. and, and, like, getting high in alleys and shit, and he's like, you don't have to do this.
0: Yeah. which is, like, <laughs> the one good LAPD cop. Yeah, you know. and
1: he's a religious nut, so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, uh so taft uh, pulls a gun on everybody <laughs> guzman has diplomatic immunity so he's just like i was just checking on a boat have a good night officer and takes yes, off
1: that's right like you can't shoot me you'd be so fucked
0: yeah uh but then taft orders stevens and jason to surrender but uh goldbloom pulls a gun shoots him down
1: <laughs> i like that he's goldbloom now
0: yes <laughs> it is the no. thing if i see david jason like i'm i'm not gonna say no. that name no <laughs> Uh, and at that moment, Stevens re- like has this realization, I've gone too far. He reveals himself to be a police officer and attempts to arrest Jason, but is forced to kill him in self-defense. Yeah. Another amazing Fishburne moment of the, you have the right to remain silent. Uh,
1: I've, he, he is holding a gun to Jason's head, basically, and is like, you can see him like, I'm going to shoot this man in the head. I'm yeah. going to win. And then he kinda has to like pull his shit together and just be like, You have the right to remain yeah. so he just like Through his teeth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like physically hurts him to try and arrest him instead of shooting him.
0: <laughs> uh so after the uh, I say after the dice are thrown, that's not what exactly but after the Chips fall? Yeah. And in sure. this case it's uh Taft and Goldblum passing away. Yeah. Uh, Carver coerces Stevens into testifying in favor of the operation and Carver's work uh, and the DA in general in return for not charging Betty with money laundering so he's This is classic DEA shit. Thanks,
1: DEA. Yeah, it is just like, say we did good and that this was a good idea and that it caused, it 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 did more good than caused harm.
0: Yeah. Uh, So Stevens produces a videotape of the incriminating conversation with Guzman at the shipping yard during his testimony to the House Judiciary Subcommittee, which uh, ruins the State Department's intentions uh, to court Guzman and uh, Carver's career is ruined uh yeah and later just at the end he's got the the bloodstained money from his father's holdup that he like lays on his father's grave uh and he contemplates what to do with the 11 million of geogos's money that he secretly kept
1: yeah that's (laughs) like he drove the van away and it's in the in the floorboards of the van and it
0: just it ends on his voiceover I i should have written the exact words but he's saying like if i turn it into the police i'm a fool if i use it i'm like a criminal a criminal what would you do? And then fade to black. Credits. <laughs> ah, yeah. Don't make me face myself.
1: <laughs> it feels like it should be the end of like a, a Metal Gear <laughs> game where yes. he's walking away. There's like a like a ballad, not a ballad playing, but like a hip hop ballad playing yeah. as he walks out of a graveyard on a windy day. And there's a voiceover and like yeah, but yeah, it is this just like I'm not going to give this money back to the people who fucked me. Yeah. That's insane but I also can't use it because it's blood money. Yeah, Deep cover. (laughs) I don't know why the the Transformers (laughs) song came to mind.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so this is a a fantastic movie. Big, big fan. So good. I'm so glad we found it. Oh, yeah. Anything that is, (laughs) I feel like for me, the elements of it's a noir, which is just a fun style. Sure. Um, It uh, is really just talking shit about the LAPD and... (laughs) The War on Drugs, like, it's got all the things I like personally in there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> It doesn't do that thing that I feel like some movies do where they're kind of afraid to approach it like, hey, we, we should suggest that the LAPD is corrupt or, or whatever. Or like that the the premise of the movie isn't what if the war on drugs were bad? It's just like, okay, we've all accepted that the war on drugs is has bad. caused way more harm than it could ever possibly do good. What results from that? Like, yeah. how is the world really? Let's realistically look at what's going on here.
0: Yeah, like, what's the individual, with the, like, you grant all that, war on drugs bad, we all know that. Totally this. granted. What is the individual toll, people just trying to yeah. get through it?
1: Yeah, <laughs> and that's Charles Martin Smith's whole, um, that's his big speech when Stevens tries to come to him for help to come to Carver and say like I need support like this is going so sideways and like I need backup from from the force.
0: Yeah.
1: And he's like I don't there's no way. Just admitting outright but almost in a defensive way of like we have no control over what happens at a micro level is what yeah. he's saying. But the dr- war on drugs, the whole
0: It's just like a series of micromanaging.
1: That, <laughs> it, yeah, it's it, the whole position is that we can make a policy that will help, that will solve micro-problems, even Mm. though they know full well they are not equipped or interested, like, in doing that. Yeah. And it's just such a, like, oh, like, it's a real... (laughs) Yeah, it's a great speech. He, did, he delivers it. I wish I could remember more of the actual substance of it, but yeah. it is, in that moment, it's just like, in case you didn't get it, <laughs> here's what this is doing. The
0: only spot that I remember in there is just is Charles Martin Smith shouting, we like him now. Okay. Like, no, that, no,
1: we like him now.
0: <laughs> that's just a sound bite in my brain. It's just like, oh, that's what every friggin political person who's
1: yeah you, <laughs> somewhat
0: tied up in anything like this sounds you gotta, like yeah.
1: yeah oh we've completely flipped our position yep because uh, someone needs to get elected next year <laughs> yeah yeah
0: yep it's yep. great
1: i i do i feel like it's it's a noir in the sense of it takes place mostly at night or mm. you know it's about like the underworld and how easy it is to kind of blur that line between like legitimate cop work and and just being a criminal on your own <laughs> yeah um and it just it's very it doesn't approach that sideways at all it's just like cop work is criminal like there's no difference yeah. it's just what who pays you is kind pretty of pretty much yeah the distinguishing factor
0: yeah like what is sanctioned yeah what, yeah
1: Yeah, what makes you a good cop also makes you a good criminal, and I don't know. There are plenty of movies on that theme, but this is just a real like they're just reading it from a file. Like we recruited you; you have all these attributes. We think you'd be great in crime. (laughs) Oh, thank
0: you. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the like it does. Like you're saying, it's got all the usual noir stuff and all the like lessons that we learned from it, and like maybe the specifics are a little bit different from. Some other movies, but it yeah. does all the same things. But it's so much—I don't know what elevates it so much for me. Like I can't put my finger on it. and I It's feel, stylish. It's it fucking is super stylish, stylish as yeah. hell. Like the yeah.
1: soundtrack is so good, and really the performances are just all amazing. Every—it's very uncomfortable. It's—it's it's not stylish in a cool way. It's mm-hmm. stylish in a like very entrancing way. I don't know. Yeah, it has
0: that quality. Oh, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, and here I'm going to get really, this might sound a little pretentious, but it reminds me of how, like, Wang Wai shoots Hong Kong stuff, where it's like, it oh, feels sure, almost like the memory sure. of the place, not the actual place.
1: Yes, the, the feeling of the place. Yeah, like, but yeah, but it's not
0: misrepresenting. I don't know, there's something in there about how, like, also it, it looks nice, it looks, the colors <laughs> it looks are nice cool. and stuff.
1: <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a ton of, like, extremely cool lighting
0: and... Mm. Fishburne's outfits all look great. Oh, they do. Yeah,
1: yeah he has amazing fits in this yeah. movie. Yeah. And I oh, I... oh, I had another thought about what time period it was, but now it's totally gone. 90s? Yep.
0: Cool. Moving on, then. Yep. <laughs> so I haven't seen... A, I've seen Bill Duke in stuff, but I haven't mm-hmm. seen a movie of his before. This is my first one of his.
1: I think so for me, too. Uh,
0: I, the big one of his is Sister Act 2. Is his. <laughs> Sure. But, uh, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about where he comes from and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he started out on Broadway, actually, oh. as an actor. Okay. Um... Doing a lot of spoken word poetry shows and such, and okay. interpreting poetry. He loves poetry, which will be very mm-hmm. obvious to the voiceover in this. Sure. Like yes.
1: Oh yeah. There's a ton of like just quoted poetry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: And that is very much like he had fishburn bring him like, hey, this is a cool poem, and he's like, oh, and I know this jailhouse poem, and like just trying to work that into the voiceover, which sure. is very cool, I think. Uh, but he got his big break um in tv on a tv show i hadn't heard of before called palmerston usa does that ring any bells to you nope. no? it was about two nuclear families in i think pioneery times or okay. or maybe not pioneery but like early 1900s okay. uh and it's uh one black family and one white family and the purpose of it was look we all face the same problems let's be friends sure okay so, Okay. He, that was his that's what he got known for uh and then the thing that i definitely know him from are his like action movies in the 80s he's in predator he's an action jackson oh. menace to society commando he is just like the reason why he got cast for all this is he's like six foot six he's oh, so Christ. big okay.
1: yeah <laughs> like hulking dude yeah okay
0: yeah uh but he didn't really get into directing until those acting gigs kind of stopped because mm. uh, he said he was always too afraid. Like, it just seems, like, too big of a beast to deal with. He had directed plays and oh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he's like, yeah, you're on a stage. You can just point at things. Like, you don't need to know how a camera works. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, you don't need stuff. to know about, like, the kind of electricity you need to light this scene. Yeah,
0: Yeah. you can't edit a play. Like, yeah.
1: <laughs> Whatever happens, happens.
0: You wouldn't edit a play.
1: <laughs> you wouldn't. <laughs>
0: uh, but uh, then... Quote, uh, once I figured out Hollywood might typecast me as a police officer, I turned to directing.
1: Wow, okay. Which is <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And I said, no, thank you. Yeah,
0: like, I think he's only got, like, three cup roles, and he's like, this is bad.
1: You must have just fucking hated each and every one of them. Yep. All right. <laughs> Who is he in Predator?
0: He is, um, he's just, he's one of the, the like, the Marine team of Arnold Schwarzenegger's. He's... The buddy of Jesse Ventura, who kind of goes a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. um, After Ventura dies. Yeah, sure. But uh, it's funny because you watch that movie and you're like, oh, Bill Duke's not that big. It's because he's standing next to Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) and Jesse
1: Ventura. Yeah. (laughs) Let's be realistic. Yeah,
0: okay. (laughs) Yeah. So Duke was one of the first four black directors on TV. Uh, He accidentally secured a directing job (laughs) on the TV show (laughs) Knot's Landing, another one I've never heard of. I know. Uh, Due to a clerical error of uh, I I think I have this right. He I'm trying to like pull together a few different sources at, of this, but he was at the AFI Conservatory at that time. Okay. There was a clerical error in the TV studio where they accidentally like allowed everybody to go on vacation, um, so they didn't have a <laughs> okay. director and they're like they went to, to AFI and they're like, give us anybody who's available tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's like, uh, I'll do it. I'm here.
0: <laughs> and that's how he says he got like early success was just literally knowing when there would be spots open when people would go on vacation and stuff and ensuring he was available to hop in Mm, which is like if you're a freelancer you know that's what you got to do to start your career in that but uh look for gaps doubly so like double difficulty as more than double as a racialized american at that time that's yep tough stuff so he was the first black director on the TV show Dallas, which is that's a TV show I know. Nice. <laughs> um, and I'm bringing this up just because uh, he has a he brings up this this anecdote of him going to the lot for the first time. So quote: I was the first black director on Dallas. I drove up to the gate, rolled down my window. The security guard looks into the window and he says, "Who are you delivering for?" And I said, what? What did you say?" And the oh. guard repeats, "Who are you delivering for?" And I wanted to say, I'm about to deliver a can of whoop-ass to you, uh, but I would have been the angry black man in Hollywood and never would have worked again. Mm -hmm. So instead I said, I'm delivering my talent as the first black director on Dallas. Would you mind please opening the gate? (laughs) Oh my god. The most gratifying thing was the look on his face. He almost let out a little yelp. That was great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Not as good as beating his face in, but... Still fine. Uh, wow. That
0: must have been, just been like such a like, fantastic moment for him. Oh, like, just, oh my god!
1: <laughs> tasty, tasty, tasty. Yum 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 yum. God, is he, Oh, see. Look. If anyone ever says er, ever like cocks their head at you and says, "What did you say?" <laughs> you stop and think, reassess. Yeah.
0: Choose your words very carefully. Pick
1: something else. Yeah. Don't don't say it again louder. Yeah. That's when you die. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
0: So he had a good first day.
1: <laughs> you know, there's that scene where Carver is like trying to interview people for the undercover job. <laughs> yep. And I'm not going to repeat the question that he no. asks, but it includes a racial slur. And he only picks the person who doesn't like he's only interviewing black men, yeah. black officers. And he only picks the person who doesn't immediately try to murder him yeah. for saying it. To who them.
0: who doesn't who who almost doesn't react. Yes, you
1: can see just, like, the freeze up and just, like, okay, what can I say that's not going to get me thrown out of this office? Like, what is he trying to do by asking me this question?
0: Very much the same energy there.
1: Yes. (laughs) Interesting. All right. And I think at one point, like, Carver repeats the question louder. He's like, what did you fucking say to me? And he's like, you know, he tries it again, but louder.
0: And he brings it up at the, uh, Fishburne brings it up at the very end. Yes. So you can tell he's been thinking about it this whole time. He's been fucking
1: stewing on that shit, yeah. Which uh,
0: Bill Dukes bringing up this story like this was from an interview in like 2008 oh, or something God. like that. Yeah, so like Dallas
1: was in the 70s. Yeah,
0: so he's he's mulling <laughs> he's on had it. Had some time. Yep. Uh, but speaking of time passing, that brings us to deep cover. <laughs>
1: I know how time works. No, I don't. That's
0: a lie. <laughs> so the thing that surprised me, this wasn't, like, this is a, obviously a standalone movie. Like, it's not sure. part of the deep cover universe. <laughs> movie. Uh, but it was written as, and the script has very little change other than, like, names and places. But it's a, it was supposed to be a sequel to the movie Internal Affairs, which I have never watched. But it's a 1990 crime movie yeah. with Richard Gere and Andy Garcia. And Lawrence Fishburne is playing the Andy Garcia character from that. Okay. I, I haven't seen it. I don't know if you have.
1: Oh, I'm I'm just thinking of Infernal Affairs. Yeah, here, that's so I'm why sorry. I sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really enunciate
0: that T. You
1: got Hong Kong in my brain and then I just <laughs> oh, yeah. kind of, yeah. Always thinking of Hong Kong at night. <laughs> uh, okay. Internal Affairs. Okay. All yeah. right. So is it similar to Infernal Affairs in the, like, if there's an undercover cop? And an undercover yeah, truck?
0: it's an underco- yeah, undercover cop story, but I think Internal Affairs is much more of a, like... Procedural... Uh, yeah, like okay. it, it's much more safe and... Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. but I think Richard Gere is the criminal and Andy Garcia is the copper. Oh. Not very important because they Not at all. came in and the... So let me tell you what this is all based on because I also didn't realize this. Okay. Uh, it's based on a book. Like the the story oh. is pulled from a book. You know this story? I
1: did know this. I don't know why. I think I was looking up what the poetry was. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, but it's a book written by a former DEA agent named Michael Levine. Okay. Um, so he was fired. Uh, he was fired. The scene where we like him now, Charles Martin Smith yeah. on the on the, the car. He had that conversation with his handler and Ugh. he got fired for it because he, he's the fishburn in this. He's just like, yeah. no, you can't do this. This That's is...
1: not what morality is. Yeah, and he
0: got fired on the spot pretty much. So yeah, he, sure. he was like, fine, I'll just tell everybody everything then. Uh, and
1: then it solved all the problems the <laughs> never was corrupt again.
0: So let me just read you the Amazon description of this uh, fucking book here. Ew.
1: No, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. We're I was in incognito mode, content. it's okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, Steal from Amazon, folks.
0: <laughs> yes, please. Uh, Michael Levine, one of the most decorated undercover agents in the history of the Drug Enforcement Administration, presents Deep Cover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the real story of why we're losing the drug war told by a man whose life is dedicated to winning it.
1: Okay, well, yep.
0: Michael Levine, former DEA... Group Supervisor and International Undercover Agent. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's how he's credited as the author. (laughs) Just such like, I will put my job titles little resume here. I'm writing this book. (laughs) Uh, The inside story of how DEA infighting, incompetence, and subterfuge lost us the biggest battle of the drug war. Uh, the Tragic Shocking Fiasco If there were a textbook on undercover work Michael Levine would have to have written for it For 25 years he was an insider in the DEA Their top undercover cop A man with a proven record of arrests Personally accounting for more than 3,000 criminals Serving 15,000 years in jail So this is not a good guy okay, dude. So, yeah. yeah. A man who now calls America's war on drugs The biggest, costliest, most dangerous failure In American policy since Vietnam In this book he proves it <laughs>
1: I'm sorry, I just I thought we were really going for like the biggest mistake in American history since the one five years ago.
0: So funny. Since our last one. Who can since remember early, them? Yeah. There's so many uh. He takes us with him on one of the most dramatic, ambitious cases ever mounted, an operation in which the drug kingpins of three countries were caught red-handed, and tells us why they were never brought to justice. The result is the explosive expose on why we're losing the war on drugs, told in the words of an American who has devoted his life to winning it. Uh, So I wanted to mention all that because this story is supposed to be all about white people all the time. There is not a single non-white person in the book. Is I was
1: going to say, I, I, it sounds from the description like the tragedy in Michael Levine's eyes is that they they didn't go to jail. And like, yes, <laughs> the, the, you know, yeah. the higher up, sure. But it sounds like he just is mad he didn't put enough people in jail. Yeah, like know. literally
0: the thing the thing that he got fired for was like, no, I want to arrest the South American guy. Like, it was yeah, pushing for that, yeah. specifically. Yeah. No,
1: no, we're the arbiters of justice. Like, ooh, actually, no, and never.
0: <laughs>
1: I see. Yeah. Oh, Mikey.
0: So I could not find who, like, pulled the trigger on this, but I, I am assuming it's Duke somehow managed to, because he's in charge of the casting and stuff, sure. uh, managed to convince the all-white studio, all-white writers, all-white producers that they needed to replace... The idea of the white main character with uh, a black character. Yeah. So this is during a time when the prevailing wisdom was movies centered on minorities don't sell. I mean, that's still the line that gets I towed everywhere. We've
1: literally never gotten past that, even though <laughs> everyone with a brain has just put that aside and moved on with their lives yeah. and makes the movies.
0: But this is, yeah, early 90s, so yeah, it's sure. rife. Yeah, well, yeah. we had a great time. Yeah. So uh Okay. I was very surprised to learn all that. So they like modified the script quite a bit when they were like, Oh, okay, we have to make this not centered on whiteness, pretty much.
1: Yeah, uh, not not on the like execution of justice according yeah. to white people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Interesting.
0: So uh about the casting that I mentioned, um, Duke wanted the centerpiece of the entire movie to be like the chemistry between Fishburne and Goldblum. Like, yeah. Which comes through a lot. It feels Oh, it's great. At its least serious moments, it feels like a goofy buddy thing. Yes,
1: yeah, totally. Buddy cop. Yep. Yeah.
0: But he said his goal was to bring them to the point where they trusted him enough uh, and each other to dramatically improvise. Oh, cool. A lot. It's way more than I thought uh, of this movie is improvised, uh, which... I get comedy improvising. That makes sense to me. Improvising dramatically sounds like the scariest thing in the universe.
1: Yeah, I could never be an actor because I would constantly just be looking at the camera like, is this good? <laughs> how does this look? And I could never like fully immerse myself in a role enough to be sure of pulling yeah. that off. Yeah. Like,
0: it sounds like the most vulnerable, revealing thing yes. in the world you could do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, I feel like... I wonder how much... I'm assuming Bill Duke did want that, but I think... With a movie with Goldblum in it, you just get that anyway. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so
1: maybe it's just, just go with the flow on this.
0: <laughs> but uh, a lot of... Okay. So the one big dramatic moment that I could like find for sure was improvised. When um, when Goldblum shoots Taft and Fishburne is cradling him and saying, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have done that. Well, yeah. 100% improvised. None of that was written. Oh, shit. So that like is...
1: the big emotional climax. Yeah.
0: Like Fishburne just said, like, I got an idea. Can I try something? And they did that and Duke was like, yeah, that's... Way better than anything we wrote.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: And so they built the casting around that specifically of people who okay. could like bounce off that chemistry. So, like, Gopher is great for that. It's yeah. just so much fun to watch and all that. Yeah. And uh, Eddie. Eddie is mm. almost fully 100% improvised.
1: That I do believe. Yes. yes. He's very like manic and, and kind of sketchy and <laughs> yeah. Like he's trying not to be noticed, but also really wants to be noticed at all times. He's got weird energy.
0: Very much, yeah. yeah. Um, And the way that Duke wanted to ground it so that it wasn't just, you know, people just going off doing their own thing. He wanted every large scene, like uh, where Eddie dies, the big shipyard, that they should all work as a one-act play on their own. Like you could take that out and you could understand everything that's going on.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I like that. It does seem almost like a not a series of vignettes because that makes it seem like there's no through line. Yeah. But it does. Yeah. Chamber pieces all together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Totally. So I uh, yeah, I came across that in the interview and was just like, oh, that locks it into place, this feeling I had about this movie. Yes. Yeah he's, Duke is just a really collaborative guy too, it was really sweet, all the interviews I was finding is just him being like, oh it, I didn't do the work, it was because I had this great, uh, cinematographer and I the, love that. yeah, it's just very you love to see it, he also because he was an actor, all of his actors say that he's a fantastic director, mm. uh, and it's because uh, he says that the worst direction he ever got in his life just sticks in his brain whenever he's trying to direct actors, and it he was travi- I, he didn't mention the specifics because he didn't want to throw anybody on the bus, sure. but he is uh, having a lot of trouble with this one scene. It's very emotional, very dramatic. And uh, they're doing take after take, and he can't... It's not, like, sitting right with either him or the director. Like, they know it's not working. Sure. Uh, And he goes to the director, pulls him aside. He's like, what what do I need to do? Like, I can tell I'm just, like, off a little bit. What should I do? The director steepled his fingers, looked at him, and said, act more green. Uh, And that was the full... (laughs) Uh. (laughs) He's just... Just like, uh, like the color, Yeah, literally? do I, okay. or am I supposed to be jealous? Like, naive? naive? What does green connote? And he's just like, it was the most bullshit thing I've ever heard, that now whenever I'm talking to anybody about anything, I just hear that and like, if it sounds like that, then I'm doing my job bad and I need to fix it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was for the director. That yes. wasn't for the actor.
0: And then when the actor comes out and does something amazing, he's like, yes, green, I'll remember green. that. Yeah.
1: No! <laughs> Strike this from your mind.
0: Wow.
1: Oh, that's
0: really nice. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I wanted to say is just Bill Duke talking about uh, how great Lawrence Fishburne is. Um, <laughs> Good. Yes, we all, we all love to hear it. Yeah. Uh, so, quote, What Lawrence has, he understands silence. Watch his work. Mm. He's a great listener. It's like music. The only reason that music exists is because of the rest in between the notes. And Lawrence is not afraid to rest and respond to you, not with lines, but respond to you based upon not only what you said, but how you said things, and for that, you have to actively listen. So watch his work. You'll see he's a great listener, and it comes organically out of what he just heard.
1: Nice. Yeah. Solid. Which,
0: that's another one that, like, he says that and, like,
1: oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's like Alan Alda's whole thing, too, where he, oh, yeah. he has, like, a communication organ- say, yeah. An organization. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does seminars and things. Where it is, like, you can't, you can tell, like, acting isn't, there's acting and then there's, like, responding.
0: Yeah, right. And, yeah, because yeah, they're talking about how he he doesn't just know, it's like, he's not Lawrence Fishburne on camera reading yeah. a line in response to something. He is the, it always feels so pretentious, but, like, he's the character, he's that yeah. responding to the thing. So
1: Yeah, he cares what happened. like, what you did informs what he does. Yeah, Yeah. Nice.
0: And there's that collaboration thing again. There you go. Yeah. Oh,
1: it sounds like such a nice set to be on. Yeah. They produced just some, like, awful, tense, very <laughs> violent movie scenes. Yeah. Bless their hearts.
0: But it just sounds like hanging out with Bill Duke, Lawrence Fishburne, and Jeff Goldblum. Like, that just sounds like a fun-as-hell time. What
1: an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And Charles Martin Smith. It is. Yeah, just their little elf. <laughs> yeah. Dancing around. It's the shortest man in the room, for sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I didn't know any of that. I'm glad I do now.
0: This was both a delight and difficult to research more than other things because it's one of those things that didn't get seen a lot, didn't like. Not a lot of writing on it. Yeah, but then it was very, yeah, it's just really nice to like. It's nice when you look at a project and you're like, oh, exactly what you just said. This looked like it was nice to do. Yeah. Everyone had fun.
1: (laughs) Everyone looks like they were proud of their work. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I really do hope that this gets more traction because it's so fucking good.
0: Yeah, it's shot to like the to, like one of my favorite top five easy neo noir or noir things. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, just. So eminently watchable. I'm thinking about watching it right now. I?
1: <laughs> I can tell. You've just got this far-off look in your eyes. <laughs>
0: Picturing Lawrence Fishburne uh, throwing Charles Martin Smith on the hood of a car. Yeah. Ah. Uh,
1: warms the soul. <laughs>
0: it really does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's all I've got to say about Deep Cover. What do Sweet. you? What? Uh, what are your closing thoughts on this little bad boy?
1: I just really, I really like everything about it. I know that's not <laughs> really all that. I obviously like the the content is great, and everyone delivers amazing performances. Yeah. Very, very naturalistic, as I'm mm-hmm. finding out here. And yeah, um, all the emotional beats feel earned in a way that cop dramas sometimes don't because it's like okay and now the betrayal mm-hmm. and now the you know but this is just like you can just see him ta- like bearing this weight And he's already coming in with baggage and, like, starts the movie with baggage. And he finally just just snaps in a very realistic way. Not in a, like, I've had enough! No,
0: he gets way past the point of where I feel like most cop dramas or human beings would break. (laughs) Like, he's just sheer willpower keeping it together yeah
1: and he's the kind of guy, yeah like he just he gets like personally attacked a lot like mm. physically and emotionally yeah and then it is the, just the idea that like okay well all of this attacking and this this like abuse that i'm taking is not in service of anything is that's where he finds that out and he's like oh it doesn't matter what i do and that's a really hard you know yeah it's a hard thing to come to grips with because usually you do have something to lean, like, okay, well, maybe my job doesn't mean anything, but I have my family, or maybe my my family is dysfunctional, but I have my job, or I have yeah. friends, or I have a pet, or, like, anything, you know, but he has nothing. nothing. He has He's... absolutely nothing. His relationship that it does, like, is quite meaningful to him mm-hmm. is based on a lie. Like, she doesn't know his real name. Yeah, that's right. And so it's just this, like, he has nothing to support him and nothing to lean on, and that That's where, yes, of course you're going to throw it away. What is there to throw away, you know?
0: Yeah, Um, like, it it even seems like early on when he's in the hotel and the, like, next-door neighbor with the kid... Is like yeah, gonna trying to be
1: a, chat him up or whatever. And it yeah.
0: feels like, oh, this is the trope thing of, like, he learns that they're actually nice that they live in this place. Yeah. And, but he he refuses it. He just, yeah. like, forces the disconnect there. Yeah.
1: yeah. He, he's, he's been taught that, like, to do a good job at his job, he, he has to be like this as a person, and then his job turns out to not care that he did this to himself. Yeah. Like, oh, neat. Anyway, I really, like, all the emotions feel very earned mm. and... I really like, like, the content, obviously amazing. I really like the framing. I like its presentation. Like, just very, the lighting is all very cool. I like knowing now that Builder came from stage plays. That makes total sense to me. Like,
0: really, the organicness and the way that it's, like, everything is stylized in such a way that it doesn't feel... In completely real, but it doesn't yeah. feel like it's fantasy dreamland. Or no, whatever.
1: it's not like stylized to the point of being surreal or yeah. anything like that. But it's very like this. I I have five light bulbs, and I need to create a mood. <laughs> yeah, you know this is the this is the approach, and and the the I'm not usually a fan of voiceovers, yeah. but I really liked it in this one. It feels like it, it is you know it's the story of someone yeah. you're not just watching a a narrative where you know for instance Wong Kar-wai a lot of the the films a lot of his films are just you're watching things happening it's not yeah. the story of someone necessarily this is the story of a man and so i feel like the the voiceovers and the inserts of poetry work mm. really well as like this is a new chapter or we're we're flipping the page you know yeah it
0: actually now that i the 1x Uh, play thing it feels like this is the interlude between the scenes totally yeah
1: Yeah. so I love that like that framework that it has it's very effective for kind of looking back on this as like a tragic play almost yeah yeah there you go so yeah (laughs) I like the framing device and I like that it's open-ended it's this like there is no easy resolution
0: I was reading a thing about how in the the convention of voiceover in noir is typically so that when you hit the end of the movie, the voice that's where the voiceover is from. Yes, so yeah. totally. the de- sour detective meets his voice at the end, and that like that con- that like those two meeting signals to the viewer: we're all cut up. This is the end of the story.
1: Yes. Yeah. We've come full circle. And
0: this doesn't give you that satisfaction. No. You think it's about to tie up, and then it just like spools out again. And you're like, oh, this uh, is. Oh. Gonna hurt yeah. in the future for this guy,
1: <laughs> like he gets a technical win, um, but the program isn't gonna stop. It's just gonna stop them from like allying with this this new president Particular or whatever guy. Yeah. yeah, that's all. The wheel does not stop turning. Yeah, yeah. So I like that. I like that too. Those are my thoughts on <laughs> it. What about you?
0: <laughs> well, I've said many thoughts so far, but the only thing that I wanted to also add, um, we already talked about the war on drug stuff. Like that's that's a it can be a very cringy backdrop, potentially. Like, if you're just paying sure. it lip service, but it delves into it in such a cool way. But uh, I mentioned way off the top that it feels, like, more timeless than a lot of noir things. Yeah. And it's all the humanity that you're talking about. All the emotional stuff yeah. is just... It's the reason that it doesn't play, like, here is a 90s movie. Yes. It's like, here is a movie that happens to be in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the way it does that is, for me at least, is that it feels like... Obviously, the story is about temptation. Like, do I give in to all of these great pleasures and stuff? Or do I do a good job against... Sure. What's the the reward
1: for doing a good job if... Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it really does feel like... It's not... It's not, um, like, really obvious, I don't think. But uh, this feels like you've got... Fishburne is the hero and you've got Taft is the angel on one shoulder and uh, Goldblum is the devil on the other shoulder <laughs> sure. and they're like fighting over his soul. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, that one yeah. very
1: much does, yeah. Yeah.
0: And it feels like the, it's either, you know, stick with my principles or give in and lose my community, like lose society. like Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Become become someone that does harm too, yeah. to people like me and my dad. And yeah, like, yeah, like
0: actively tear down yeah. The community. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Which you know that he, he became a cop in order to be like, I'm going to right some wrongs.
0: <laughs> I don't have daddy issues. What are you talking about? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Shut your
1: mouth. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So that's the only other thing I wanted to add. Nice. Yeah. So now we will take these thoughts and use them to uh, program us a double bill, complete with a marquee title if we happen to think of one. Mm-hmm. Um so why don't you take us away with uh, what you've got this week for a double bill? Sure.
1: Okay, so I actually have a title for it this week because yeah. oh, I... can. do too. Can't... Oh, we did our jobs. Well, I did my job. Um, you always do your job, so it's no, not that impressive. Sometimes. <laughs> so um, I have a very, like a huge discrepancy in tone here.
0: You and me both, so I'm glad oh, that good. I'm not the only okay, one. Okay, <laughs> good.
1: Uh, Feels borderline disrespectful, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's not. um, So, (laughs) uh, like I said, I like the framing device. I like that, you know, we're doing a voiceover where we're walking you through the story of this person, like, probably looking back on the story of this person and catching you up to where we are now. Right. It's kind of the thing. Yeah. I like the protagonist where he's like, well, what is the point of of like holding out for my principles if a no one else is? So what do I get for for holding out, right, and being a good person yeah. and not causing harm? And B, like, oh wait, did I have a B? <clears throat> yeah. A, what's 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 the point? And B, like, what? How how much longer could I hold out in, in this environment or mm. whatever? And. Yeah, I can't think of another thing. So those those, those things. and just like I just that Bill Duke was a stage guy and this was a stage thing. Ah. Um, I think I have that right. Anyway, oh. I'm going. I can't remember the year. Let me. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with Little Shop of Horrors, <laughs> 1986, directed by Frank Oz. Um, oh, Frank Oz. Frank Oz. Oh. Um, so yeah, I've, I've I have chosen this because it's. I started with the, like, oh, it's a rags-to-riches type story. Sure. Right?
0: Oh, yeah, but at what cost? Yes.
1: Yeah. And and the idea that, like, you start out with, like, hello, I'm about to introduce you to the story of a man. Um, <laughs> and you've got the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the chorus. Uh, yeah. Um, and you've got this guy who kind of encounters this situation where someone is like, hey, you could, you could go in this direction if you wanted to. You know, he's finds this plant and brings it and he's like this this could revitalize the shop like in the deep cover universe it's like i could get in there and i could like fix, fix it, it. Yeah. yes i can use this as a tool to fix things mm-hmm. that's all yeah. like i can use crime as a tool to fix, or i can use this this evil plant um and neither of them really know that the the extent of how bad the thing is that they're wading into right they're doing it for good reasons they keep doing it <laughs> for good reasons even after they find out that there are massive problems yeah. with it um, a guy dies after doing harm to someone oh yeah in in their circle and so they're like okay well this is the first like he did something bad so he must be it must be okay to sacrifice him to this guy two rounds make it right exactly (laughs) and then the weight is piling up (laughs) and he's just like i I fucking i can't do this anymore um and but not after like kind of losing sense of who he is and like what is you know if i can't have audrey Mm. if i if i can't like achieve my dream and escape the skid row and and move to the suburbs like then what am I working towards like what is the point you know and Stevens has his like if I can't save this one person save Betty from from this like drug trade what is the point if I can't improve a person's life yeah if not a
0: single person yeah then
1: what the fuck is the point and, like, also, what about me? When do I get an improved life? You know, it's got that vibe to it. Um, and at the and, they both, you know, they both kind of take down the system from within, you know.
0: One within a flower shop. Yeah. <laughs> the system being a
1: <laughs> lovely garden. Um, and soars off into the the sunset um <laughs> with audrey but both of them end on this like question mark the end yeah. dot 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 question mark where thinking... there's a little audrey plantling audrey two plantling in their suburb suburban garden at the end i was to I... say suburban suburb <laughs> suburb
0: i was thinking if you go with the original ending of little shop of horrors where the plant escapes and takes <laughs> over the world yeah. that i
1: didn't but that's a good metaphor yeah. for the war on drugs yeah, so there is. you go <laughs> Political analysis.
0: The war on drugs is a carnivorous plant from outer space.
1: Actually, that's pretty good. And you think you can control it. Oh, but really? Yeah. You don't have a fucking clue why it's here or what you're doing. Shit. Damn. Damn. You got me. Yes. <laughs> uh,
0: that's so. Great. So nice. those
1: are those are mine, and you've got these like interludes. Like, what are the what is the name of I, like Crystal and Renette and Chiffon? And I can't remember the name of yeah, their they group, have a name. The singers, the Greek chorus in in Little Shop. Anyway, they pop in occasionally to sort of be like, okay, like here's a here's an emotional grounding. Like here's where we are in this person's yeah. emotional arc.
0: Yeah, and that like Little Shop of Horrors was a stage musical. Yes. Well, it was a Roger Corman movie first. Yeah, <laughs> this is a stage musical. Uh, <laughs> we do not count. Yeah. So I feel like exactly that. It's used in the exact same way. Yeah,
1: yeah they're presented as if you're watching something on stage because that's yeah. where the the source material came from. Yeah, uh, and I'm gonna call it the root of all evil. <laughs> I like that. I was debating using the using Little Shop of Horrors, and then I was like, oh, but I can say this title, so I'm gonna use it. <laughs>
0: Nailed it. No, that works great. I like that a lot. Thank you. Because I it's feel just fun. You can either do the thing of like, let's treat Little Shop of Horrors as like an overture and then really get into the shit, or let's watch, let's get into the shit and then anything else to help my brain.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I honestly, I would go Little Shop of Horrors first as a little warm up and Mm. then get into the like very chaos energy of Deep Cover. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Music is very important to both. So That's so that. true. Yes. <laughs> there
1: you go. Nice. How about you?
0: Well, for me, I also took it in a direction that feels... It, I, I had the same feeling of like, this feels slightly disrespectful, but I think it's just be, <laughs> both because we really respect this movie yeah. and the other ones are just like, and this one's fun. And
1: a goofy one.
0: <laughs> so for me, uh, I'm building on that thing of like uh, a hero who isn't like Who isn't special, quote-unquote. They're just special because they're a human being. Sure. uh, With a devil, and angel on their shoulder and, like, how they kind of get through that when they realize how far into things they've gotten. Sure. Um, So I am pairing this with 1967 Spaghetti Western called Day of Anger. By uh, oh. Tonino Valeri with Lee Van Cleef and Giuliano Gemma. Nice.
1: Yeah. Nice. Oh, a classic pairing as well. Just a real, like, yeah. it really hinges on these two's relationship on screen. Yep.
0: And one of them is really serious and intense. That's your Lee Van Cleef and your Lawrence Fishburne. And one is just a uh, silly goof we like to follow. One. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's your Gemmas and Goldblooms. Uh, if you don't know Day of Anger, it's a fun time. It's about <laughs> a scruffy garbage boy. Uh, that's Gemma. That's his job. It's It's not... (laughs) Yes, I'm not just disparaging him. (laughs) Garbage person! Um, who is... He becomes the pupil of a famed gunfighter who rides into town. That's Lee Van Cleef. Uh, and the stage for confrontation is set when the gunman becomes unhinged and overruns the boys' town through violence and corruption. But on the other hand... Well, to set that up, Gemma is treated like garbage by the whole town. Mm -hmm. So he's very much looked down on as... Mm. In the same way that, like... A lot of black people in uh, urban communities or cops are just like, "Yeah, <laughs> you you are no good.
1: You are by by definition no good."
0: Yeah. Uh, so the garbage boy is treated like garbage by the town,
1: oh. except
0: for the stable master, who kind of he's not like his father, ah, but he's a father yeah. figure. Yeah. And toward it's like, I just
1: want to see you do well. Yeah,
0: and he's like, he just gotta put in hard work and all that. And Gemma's got this real, like, why does it matter how much work I put in? I could be like this guy who gets whatever he wants because he's a psychopath. Yeah. But the whole thing eventually plays out with Gemma trying to decide whose teachings to follow, the nonviolent stableman who's the only person who's actually treated him with dignity, or the sadistic gunfighter who gets what he wants through fear, threats, and money. So I feel like this is a nice nice little core thing there. Uh, They're also both kind of about deconstruction of American mythic stories. You got like drug crime is uh, like there's so many movies that are just like, we got to get the drug runner. Like all the just
1: treating it as bad per se. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Whereas this is, you know. International politics make this so stupid. <laughs> uh, and uh, day of anger, you've got cowboys and gunslingers are actually the worst people in these stories, oh, not just the best. Garbage
1: <laughs> people, yeah. and not the good kind that actually clean garbage.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We salute our garbage people. Hell yeah, we do. Um, yeah. So I'm calling this get angry.
1: <laughs> nice, nice. That's actually really good. Yeah. Uh-huh. and that's yeah, that's that's Bill Duke's like. No, you have to. You can't be the angry black man on yep. set. But that is where your power comes from. Yes. Yeah. You can use it for good.
0: Unfortunately, nice. yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yours has so many more cool reasons. My- <laughs> Deconstruction of the American mythos. I just like
0: deconstructions <laughs> of American like mythoses.
1: Mythoses.
0: <laughs> Mythosai. <laughs> no, it's not, not a Greek word. Mythosala. Uh- <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, yeah, so that's about all I got for, for deep cover for this episode this week.
1: I appreciate all the research you did on this. I really I really like this. I wish there were more sources, but... I
0: hope in time that there are. This yeah. is one of those things of, like, releases can really bring out hidden gems. That's like,
1: true. Once something becomes available. Yeah, if yeah. not
0: for this getting released, obviously I'd never not know about it, but virtually all the stuff I got, found the research on, was due to this being released, so, yeah. like,
1: yeah gathering information yeah. like for the release of it yeah 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 physical media baby
0: <laughs> yeah so with that we're uh, we'll wrap up this here episode you can find us at gartbidge pod on twitter and instagram that's g-a-r-t-b-a-g-e pod um where we're nice and friendly uh Aaron, where can people find you
1: i can't promise the friendliness level <laughs> but i am also on twitter at Maclebase. m-a-c-l-e-b-a-s-s
0: and I exist, as always, at DickRNavis, D-I-C-K-R-Navis. And uh, I am friendly enough, I guess.
1: Uh, <laughs> Not convincing.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm friendly enough. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, please rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice to help more people find the show. And I hope you will join us next time for another pile of gartbage. I say that the strongest feed on any prey it can, and I was branded beast at every feast before I ever became
1: a man.